Let's get to this message. This is the last week of the series, That's My King. Um, have you all been enjoying it so far? It's been good? Oh, no. Boo! This guy's trash! Um, no, seriously, you all been enjoying it? It's been good? Because this message was... Um, was in development, but I never used it yet. And I talked about that in the first week. I've never used this message before, so I'm happy that I was able to do it now. Um, for week one, I talked about the love of God. I talked about the King's love. I talked about how um, we love identifying ourselves with our mistakes, but God defines us by his children. So that's the difference between us being accepted by God rather than us being labeled by what people say about us or what we say about ourselves. And then the king's peace was talking about how sometimes our peace is stolen, not by the situations of life, but by the momentum of our decisions. And that happens. And so I talked about that week two. And then week three last week, which I loved that message for me personally, that was a message that I needed, was about how God's powerful enough to bring something into your life, but he's also powerful enough to sit with you when you're heartbroken. And so that's the king's power. So this one actually ties in with... um, uh, has anyone, uh, was anyone here this Sunday for Pastor Brandon's message, Ripple Effect? Okay, so, so his series is on evangelism. And what's funny, what he said was Pastor Rob did the exact same thing. He did the exact same, almost the exact same, like, DNA of message, uh, in the beginning of September. This message, this series has been personal, but underneath all of it, it's really been about evangelism. It's really been about telling not just you about Jesus, but equipping you to tell others about Jesus. That's what this series has been about. It's talking about not just my king, but yours, the king of kings. That's what I've been talking about the past three weeks. And what's funny is that I told Pastor Brendan that yesterday. I said, this is going to tie into what I'm teaching. Like we've been talking about evangelism this whole month pretty much because I want to root in y'all something that, that God roots in everybody that becomes a Christian where you have the power to not just tell someone about, the, about Jesus, but to show someone Jesus. Not in the sense of just talking about him, but like, like Pastor Brennan said, not just do witnessing, but being a witness. That's something different than just doing it. And so this message, I'm really excited to preach on it because it's all going to line up with what I've been talking about the past couple of weeks. But let me start off with Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. This is the last chapter of Matthew. Jesus had just been crucified. And he was still in the tomb at this moment. Verse 1, After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the tomb and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. Therefore, you will see him now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. And ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped at his feet, which bowed at his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, here's the phrase, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. 
So last week I mentioned Martha and Mary about the Lazarus story. That was the experience they had with God, a, a real experience with Christ because they, they recognized what he could do. They recognized who he was and what he could do. But in this, they were just going to mourn. But I think they also still believe that there was something, something didn't feel right because Jesus has been speaking of his death throughout all the gospels. And I know Martha and Mary still had a type of faith that was like, well, no, he, he said all these things, but now, but now he's dead. It doesn't make sense. So even though they were going to the tomb to mourn because the disciples were afraid, they stayed locked up in a, in a room. They stayed away. They were being chickens. And Martha and Mary went back to the tomb to see and mourn over Jesus's grave. But once they got there, they experienced and witnessed something. They witnessed the tomb being rolled and they saw the angel and the angel said, he's risen. And, they, and you can't believe it because even though his body's not there, like, okay, now where is it? Like, where is he now? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And so now as they walk, Jesus appears and he tells them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there I will meet them. That's witnessing. It caught me because, because even though, even though, even though that the disciples didn't even realize, because, because here's the picture, Martha and Mary were literally about to go witness to the disciples. They're about to go witness because the the disciples were his disciples, but this was the moment where everything turned. This is like for us, like it came to the point where this whole story of Jesus had changed because Martha and Mary were going to go and tell his brothers to go to Galilee because they witnessed the resurrection. But I'm not just talking about his resurrection. I'm talking about they have witnessed not just the resurrection, but they have witnessed what God has done in their life. And the question I have for you as a person who witnesses, who's a witness of God doing something in your life, are can you tell someone about what God's done in your life? And it's a tough question because sometimes we're so blinded by life that witnessing for God can be very hard. Because if we're so blinded by the problems of life, we can't see the glory and the blessing that God brings. So we let the worriness of life and we let all these things crash onto us. Yet God has done these amazing blessings, but yet we miss it because we're so crowded by problems of life. And so tonight, I want to talk about the last three weeks that I've been talking about. Every single message that I've preached has tied to this moment because each Week was an experience that someone had with Jesus. Think about it. Paul had an experience with Christ. The disciples had an experience with Christ on that boat. And Martha and Mary had an experience with Christ. They are witnesses of Jesus. And I wonder if you can do the same thing. I wonder if God has done something in your life where you can actually tell someone, he did this in my life. Now I can tell you that he can do the same thing for you. Can you do the same thing? Or is life so horrible for you that you can't see the blessings of God in your life to where you can't be a witness? Not do witnessing, but being a witness. Week one, I talked about the king's love. Week two, I talked about the king's peace. Week three, I talked about the power of God, the king's power. So for the final week, I want to talk about the king's witness. I want to talk about the king's witness. This, the king's witness is probably the most important message out of all three. 
Now, people have different opinions. Well, I like the first week. Well, dude, three was, was a banger. Like, I love that message. Or week two was more of my thing. But this message is the most important because, because all of it has led up to this. Where can you say from these three experiences, because even though it was Paul's experience, the disciples' experience, Martha and Mary's experience, that was also my experience. And I don't know if you caught that. I got personal the past three weeks about what God has done in my life. The first week was about acceptance, was being accepted. That was my first, that's my first segment tonight is being accepted by God. That was what the love of God was all about because I was so scared of facing God and telling him my mistakes because I thought I was one. So I thought I was a mistake, so I couldn't, how could I bring myself as a mistake to a God who's holy? So, so that's when I had to realize that now, because I've experienced acceptance, it's so easy to talk to you right now and be like, you feel these emotions, you feel these things about not feeling accepted by anyone, but I want to tell you something right now, Jesus accepts you for where you are, and he's willing to walk with you no matter what happens. That is the king's witness of love. That's his love for us is accepting, accepting what is already here and developing what's going to go forward. That's sanctification. That is what God does in your life. He accepts you for where you are and he's willing to walk with you through your development. Doesn't mean you will be perfect in a moment. That's what a lot of people think for some reason. And the problem is, is that because you think you have to be perfect in the moment and be holy in the moment, that you have to change behavior and now you can't even... You can't even function right because you're trying to be something that you're not. Not in the moment. You still do certain things. You have to walk through that. You can't just cut something off and be like, oh, I'm, I, don't, I don't do that no more. I don't do that no more. Well, sometimes we jump back into it because we're, we're on a false standard. Because God is the one that heights the standard, not us. God heights the standard. God places the standard in our life, not us. Because if it was us, we would fail every single time. And some of us know this, especially for us that grow up in church, standard is a big thing. Standard feels like a big thing because it's not just because of everyone in our life that tries to put us on this, on this, on this pulpit of like, you need to act this way, talk this way, be this certain way. When in reality, God is willing to walk you through a process of what you're dealing with. Because like I said, it's like when Jesus was being tempted and the devil said, hey, turn that stone into bread. I look at the stone turned into bread is talking about image. The reason why I think it's talking about image is because Jesus was trying, he was trying to get Jesus to turn something that it wasn't. Because the one time that you turn yourself a different way, your authentication leaves you. It leaves, you the, mo- it leaves the moment that you start acting different just because you want to look different and look good. Not by change, because we don't do that. We do it because we want to be like, hey, look, I'm changed now. Am I good now? Am I good now? I, I, I got a Bible. I highlight in it. It looks pretty good. I put a bunch of colors in it. It looks like Fruity Pebbles up in this thing. It looks great. And, and, and you know, I, I, no matter how much you read your word, no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you worship your God, it comes to a point where you're never going to be at a standard where you want yourself to be. 
And that's a tough thing to accept because I had to, because I lived my life. I'm gonna be honest. I lived my life as an image Christian because I was churched because I lived in an image where I felt like I had to look a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain way to be accepted by Christians. When in all reality, y'all, that's not what God does. And that was what was revealed to me is that acceptance goes beyond behavior and borders. It goes beyond behavior. It goes beyond certain things that you think God doesn't accept you for. But he's willing to do it right here, right now. He's willing to do it in this moment. He's willing to do it later. He's willing, he's willing to do it in every moment of your life. But the, sometimes we listen too much to the voices of others, of the they. I call them they. Because I don't want to say something mean or rude. or I, I want to keep it to myself. But, but they... Sometimes they gets in the way of God. Sometimes they gets in the way of God. Because they said, you should do this. But God is saying, no, I've called you to this. When we mix up being accepted by, because that's being accepted by people, y'all. That's being accepted because God does not accept when you get better. God doesn't accept you when you get better. He accepts you in the moment, which makes you better. That's the whole point of the gospel. That's the whole point of being the witness is that you were once dead in sin, dead in your behaviors, dead in your dysfunctions, and now you're restored in Christ. Doesn't mean they go away, but that means it's going to get better. As I walk with Christ, it gets better. But how can I not walk with Christ and expect my behavior to get better? How can I expect... God to just magically change everything in my life, everything in my situation, and not even touch my Bible. Now, like I said in the beginning, this is, this is where people twist stuff like, oh, I got to religiously do this and do that. No, 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 no. I mean, no, it doesn't matter how much Bible you read, God still loves you. But, but not touching it at all is a greater danger. Reason being is because that is something that feeds your spirit. And that's something that feeds your soul, the encouragement that's in it, the the substance of how much God cares about you is in it. The stuff that he commands us to do is in it, and it teaches us how to live a Christian life. That's what's in it. But once we get to the point, because I understand, I understand that, because when it's shoved, it's not accepted. When it's pushed towards you, it's not accepted. When it's, when it's pushed too far and people just throw it at you like it's a, a, a dang Frisbee, that's when you don't accept it. You're not going to accept something that's forced. Never. I would never do that. If it's forced, how good is it? But once I realize that there's a, there's a moment in time of every moment where God speaks, where he brings me, vindication, affirmation, validation, acceptance. That is what I need. I don't need you to just tell me all this stuff and tell me this, all this encouragement. I need God. That's the acceptance. God accepts you where you're at. And that's what you can tell other people that you know need acceptance. You know people that are dealing with rejection. You can tell people about that. But when we get to a point where where evangelism comes with words, sometimes it comes without words. And people don't realize that, oh, you gotta, you gotta tell people about Jesus. I'm gonna be honest, 
I hate it. No, that's a strong word. I just like this. And, it, and, it, and some people don't, and some people enjoy this. They're like, how could you say that? This is just me. This is just a little opinion. Take it with a grain of salt. I'm not the biggest fan of street evangelism. I'm not. But I'm going to tell you why. Because there's something that is forced. And there is something that brings a bothering. Because some things, in my own relationship with God, God brings everything through a flow. He doesn't bring anything freaking taking a sledgehammer and going all, uh, here's Johnny on you, and trying to break through the door. That's not what God does. God is willing to walk up and knock on the door. And here's the thing, if you've lived with, if you've walked with God long enough, you know his knock. You know when he's at the door. But because sometimes it's forced, we have to learn acceptance. That's the vision. The Pharisees were bad at this too. I have empathy for them because I learned from another minister that the, that the Pharisees were only, the reason why they were doing what they were doing was because they were trying to protect something that was sacred for so long that it was hard for them to let it go. It was hard for them to let go of the rules they made for people. It was hard for them to let go of the traditions that they were so used to because Jesus came, brought something completely different, completely different. And so acceptance is not when you get here. It's wherever you are on the scale. That is the acceptance of God. Now, like I said, does that mean we stay that way? No. God wants you to grow. God wants you to grow however long it takes. You're going to be you're going to deal with with growing in God until you die. You're going to deal with it till you pass. Until you're up with the Lord or he comes back and takes us. So whichever way forward. God God God's acceptance is every day. And until you speak that over yourself and you hear God hear from God to hear that, you're going to struggle with trying to be perfect. Which that's not the key. And that's why you can tell other people about that. Acceptance is wherever you are. That's the king's love. That even though I've made mistakes, he's still willing to forgive. He's still willing to accept me where I am. And then I talked about peace. Um, peace involves with lifestyle. I just talked about acceptance, but peace, like I said, peace is usually stripped because of decisions. And I'm not neglect I'm not downplaying anyone's situation that makes them anxious. I'm not downplaying that you're diagnosed with it. But let me tell you something. Sometimes, sometimes our decisions cause anxiety. Sometimes the stuff we pick, sometimes the people we choose to be in a relationship with causes anxiety. Because we blame it on the devil and we blame it on God, but yet it was our decision. Now, like I said, sometimes they're situational. But if you're asking God for peace, I talked about this the first week. I don't know if you even remember it. Some of y'all laughed at me for it about the phone thing. It was hilarious the first week. <laughs> I'm such a dad, bro. I, I mean, I'm... I love this thing. I'm on it all the time. I, like, I'm not, you know, but even not just this, it's not just y'all, y'all. It's not just teenagers. It's adults. It's everybody. It could be the, how much TikTok you intake. It could be how much news an adult intakes because we want to intake all this and we say, God, give me peace. 
When in reality, God's trying to reveal to you, hey, what if you don't get on that? Maybe that'll keep your peace. Because instead of just asking for peace, why not keep it? Why not keep your peace? This happened one time with a friend. They had the weirdest face. Like, I called it, I, they were on their phone like this. They were very like, like they saw like the most offensive thing on, on whatever. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Like it, it was like, it was like, no, just piece of junk. Like they're just looking at the phone and I'm like, bro, like you constipated or something? Like, are you like, what's wrong with your phone? Like, what's wrong? Like, you just look like you just, like you haven't used the bathroom in ages. Like you just, mm, like just sitting there. Mm. So I walk up to this friend and he's like, what? I'm not mad. <laughs> you know how, you know when someone's lying. What? <laughs> you know how their voice gets high? <laughs> I'm not mad. They usually get their voice high, but sometimes it's like, no, dude, I'm not mad. I ain't pissed. I ain't upset. And, and he was so upset. I could tell. Cause I got the discernment. So I told him, I said, bro, what's going on? Like, what are you, like, what, like, what are you doing? He's like, no, dude, nothing's wrong. And the dude, all he was doing was he was scrolling on Instagram. That's all he was doing. He was literally just on there. Just like, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And then I realized, and we talked about it later. And he's like, bro, I'm gonna be honest. I was comparing myself. Because these people were doing, these, these dudes, because my friend is a, he's a sneakerhead like me. He's like, bro, he had, dude, it was, it was, I saw he had the, the Travis Scott Air Force Ones. And he was like, oh, they were so, like, there was no crease or nothing. And I was like, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. Don't you wish you had other things that people had? I mean, it's natural because it's like, man, like, like, that's cool. I wish I had that. But that's too expensive. I'm not going to pay for that. That's too expensive. So I asked him and I said, I said, why are you comparing yourself like that? And he was like, man, I wish. How many times we scroll and we think I wish and that brings us anxiety? How many times we, I just wish I was like them. I wish. Well, don't wish. <laughs> but, but it even happened. It was another friend of mine, actually a cousin. A friend of mine that's a cousin, um, and 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 he just looked. He just looked. I I do this because I, I I think it's funny. I I called it. Uh, I don't really want to say this. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. Um, no, I'm good. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to get in trouble. So. Um, I was gonna say rest in believer face. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, okay, yeah, rest in believer face. So so they just had this face and I was just I was just like, man, what's like like why is everyone mad today? Like I'm trying to have a positive day and everyone's just like <sighs> like there's a hulk or something. So so I asked him, I was like, dude, why are you so upset? And he's an external processor, so I'm about to get the whole load of everything he's feeling in that moment. And he said, and he said, dude, all of this stuff that's going on with the, with the, with the, with the, with the, with the bang, with the shot or whatever and all this stuff. And he's, and he's getting riled up. And I said, turn it off, turn it off. And he's like, bro, why are you getting mad at me? Cause I told him I'm sick and tired of seeing you lose peace, but you're watching everything on the news. 
And, and this is where we see all this stuff and you're scrolling and all this stuff and you're, and you're getting brain, stomach, mouth, ulcers, whatever that looks like for you. And you're getting all this stress. And then how dare we ask God for peace? Because it was already there, but yet it was stolen. It was stolen. I'm going to stay on this. I like this. This is, it becomes, what is stealing your peace is not the devil. The devil can't steal what God gives you. He's God. If the devil could, then the God's not as powerful as we think he is. But he is. The devil cannot steal your peace. It sounds crazy, but we, but we make this up. But people don't steal your peace. They don't. We think they do. But honestly, peace is a, is a spiritual thing with the peace of God. It's not a feeling. Because like I told you last week, I told you, or the week before, I told you Jesus was at peace so much that he was able to sleep through a storm. So if he's able to sleep through a storm, if that's the type of peace that I can have, then that's better than just trying to feel peace. Because I talked about that that week. I'm like, I'm a peacemaker. I hate conflict. I hate storms. I Even though I sleep through them during the night, I'm perfectly fine. But when it comes to storms in my life, it's not based off convenience. Sometimes our decisions cause peace. And abide from saying that, I believe God will give some of you the peace because some of you feel anxious to talk about what God has done in your life to someone that doesn't know God, who doesn't know Christ. And I'm going to be honest, even me, even throughout my whole life, I've never evangelized. I've never done that. It was the scariest thing. We did that in school where we did street evangelism. I think that's where my trauma came from. <laughs> that's where it came from because we did it. And here's the funny part. most Some of my friends, here's the deal. We were in New Orleans. <laughs> and we were in New Orleans and... And I was, I was, I was, I was, you know, hanging out one time. I had brought, I think I had, when I had the Xbox one, I had brought it because I was trying not to be bored. And they, they, one of my friends, he was like, bro, you want to go evangelize? And I was like, what? <laughs> like something. So like, bro, you just want to go street evangelize? Like nonchalantly, like he was perfectly fine. I'm like, I'm like, in my, in my head, I'm like, this dude has so much peace, you know? Like, he's just so relaxed. So we go, me, him, and, and another friend of mine, we go. We didn't go down Bourbon Street. That was the first thing we did not do because that would have been horrible. But we went down, we went, we went to a couple of things. And it, we went to uh, one of them who was doing, like, like witchcraft with, with cards, and we went pray over, and we went pray over that guy. I'm like, dude, if he does something, I'm gonna flip, I'm gonna cry, I'm gonna do something. I didn't know what to do. So, so once, once, once we sat there, it's funny. Like I talked about in the beginning, turning stones into bread, covering something up. This dude was using that as a facade of the pain he was dealing with with his family, and I didn't know that story. And then my friend, who who is uh, Danny, he preached here one time. Does anybody remember Danny Palencia? Yeah, you remember a few of y'all. He came in before we started not doing Sundays anymore, and and he ministered to him, and I got to witness that. And the crazy thing is, is that even though it looks scary, you never know what someone's going through. You never know. Some people can be acting so dumb and so rebellious, but maybe it's because they're scared. Maybe there's something in their life that they're running from that they're so afraid of. That 
is caused. But we expect, oh, they're, they're just a sinner. Well, Jesus is looking at them, so go talk to them. Each and every single one of you, I pray for peace over your life to tell someone, not just tell someone, but be that. Because all Danny did was he loved on him. He loved on, on this witchcraft guy. He loved on him. And, and, the thing, and I didn't get to know his name. I, he said his name, but I completely forgot. It would have been great because I was going to make the illustration of how God knows us by name, not by what we do. He knows him by his name. He doesn't know him by the witchcraft guy. He knows him by his name. And that's, that's where I believe Danny had peace. Even though I hate it so much. I hate street evangelism. I don't like it. But, but I got to witness, get the word, witness, what God was doing in this guy's life in that moment. And I could tell like he was accepting everything. He wasn't fighting it. He wasn't holding up against it because, because guess what? God's not just going to tell you that he loves you. He's going to show you that that pain you're dealing with, he wants to be in that. And that's what the guy realized. It wasn't just, oh, Jesus loves you. Repent, go to hell, slap. Like that wasn't, that wasn't the, that wasn't the whole forte, but no, 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 no. Danny, Danny had his hands on when he said, dude, God's willing to work you through your pain. And the dude sat there shocked. He had a mask on. Like he had like this cool like outfit. I couldn't even tell what he looked like. But he was just sitting there and we prayed over him. And once once we laid hands on him, I could sense a void. There was a void in this dude's life. Not just because of the witchcraft, but because of the pain he was dealing with. So we prayed over him and all this stuff. I've never seen, never saw this guy again. But I know there was a seed sown in this dude's life to where God can reap the harvest of bringing him salvation. That's being a king's witness. And sometimes God will use the most craziest moments like that. Now I'm not, now I'm not saying go to new Orleans and then get yourself in trouble. Like that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that you know, someone that's trying to put on a front, but you know what they're dealing with. And so, you know, exactly. God's going to give you the exact words to say the exact things to do in the moment. All you got to do is say, Lord, Make me ready to talk to this person. Make me ready to tell them that, they're, that they can be accepted by God, that Jesus died on the cross for their sin. Help me to do that. The king's peace comes from him. Nowhere else. And that's helping, that's going to help you make that happen. Now, some of us are just extroverted. We can do whatever. We can do the most awkward thing in America. But for some of us, like me, it's tough because I've just never been in that type of environment and that's not my personality. But sometimes God's willing to pass personality in order for his glory to be shown to others. That's the mission. Is that the peace of God I pray is over your life to where you can tell someone about Jesus. Not, not just in New Orleans or whatever, but at your school, at work, all this stuff. You don't have to say it right in the moment. You don't have to feel pressure to do it right away. But you can develop something over time. Because people are impatient, and we think everyone just needs to hear it now, in this moment, right now. Like, dude, you need to hear about Jesus. But when we understand that God is willing to wait over time because his grace gives us that much space to get there, that's a greater power. And that's my next segment, the king's power. The king's power, and I talked about it last week. Martha and Mary waited four days to hear from God, to hear from Christ. 
He said it wouldn't end in death. If you weren't here last week, let me recap. Jesus said it wouldn't end in death. And they thought he lied to them. He thought he lied to them. But but he said this. He was dealing with disappointment with these two ladies. And you know someone who's dealing with disappointment. You know someone who's dealing with something that they couldn't control or or something that that's causing them to walk away from faith. Because like I said, we put these cliches and we say all this stuff to make them feel better. But, but even though you help them feel better, that doesn't mean they are better. Because feelings and faith are two different things, like I talked about last week. They're two different things. And in the way... This is, and this is the counseling part of how to get someone saved. Like I said, it's, and even Pastor Brandon said, it's all about your testimony. It's about how you tell people about Jesus. It's about how you tell people. Because guess what? If you are trying to dumb down somebody's pain while they are having to figure out what to do next, I, I saw this one time. People are so quick to encourage that they don't even know what's going on in that person's mind. They have no idea. You're telling them John 3.16, Philippians 4.13, all these scriptures, and they're trying to think about, how am I going to buy a casket? How am I going to get this together? How am I going to fix my house? It got hit by a hurricane. Well, God's good, my friend. You just got to... And they're not thinking about how good God is, because they know that but they're looking at the moment where they have nothing left in their house because they got hit by the hurricane. We don't realize, and we get very out of our head because we're so in our head talking to people about Jesus. When there's a disappointment, there's an opportunity. I want to tell you this. When there's a disappointment in someone's life, there's an opportunity to welcome them into a loving arms that is Jesus. And that is what we did. That's what we did at me and Pastor Brandon did at Cocodry. That's what we did. We opened the arms rather than just throwing things out there. I wasn't telling them how good God was. I was telling them, hey, how, what can I help you with? What do you need? Because that's God's job to see how good he is. That's not your job to just tell people all the dang time about cliches. Because when there's a disappointment, like I said, there's an opportunity, but you got to do it right. You have to do it right. There's an opportunity. The king's power comes with disappointment because once there's a disappointment, there's an opportunity. I want to end with this. I want to jump all the way to verse 16. I know I was going to do 11 to 15, but I need to finish. Verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Therefore, go and make disciples. Oh, I just reread that twice. <laughs> Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and that when I read that, I thought of, uh, Dakota and Brooke, when I baptized y'all, that's what that reminded me of because that comes from being saved first. And then baptism is the signature. It's the, it's the public decoration that I'm willing to follow Christ now. I'm willing to take this another level. 
And that's what Jesus was telling his disciples to do, baptizing the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, watch this, I am surely, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The encouragement I want to leave with you tonight, I'm going to say this and I'm going to tell a little story, is that when God calls us to do something, we expect that we got to do it by ourselves. We always expect that we, when God calls us to do something, we do it by ourselves. But that's not true. Every time you go to school, you bring something to school. You're bringing something there. When you walk into your workplace, you're bringing something there. But what are you bringing, though? Are you bringing Christ that lives within you? Or are you bringing something else that might not work? What are you bringing? I want to say this last story. And this was a heavy story, but, but it shows how powerful being a witness is. There's a, there was a guy that I knew at school. And uh, he, I, 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 I chatted with him for a little while, but he was not really living for Christ. He was just coming to the youth group and stuff like that at the church at Crossroads. And... Um, I told him, I said, I said, Hey bro, do you, do you know, um, uh, do you know what all this is? Do you know, you know what we're doing here? He's like, yeah, yeah. I've been to one of those before, but I never really understood, you know, all this stuff. I'm like, well, you want me to help you understand? Like, do you need, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. So I chatted with him about Christ and I told him on how, how he set me free from a thousand things, not just sin and, 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 and all these other crazy stuff, but he also saved me from, from dysfunction. He saved me from stuff that could have destroyed me and, and he, and he set me free and he's like, wow, that's so good. And all this stuff. So he goes home. I mean, I see him a few weeks later because the dude was like this. He was like, when he would talk to me, he felt so low. And when I saw him again, he was walking perfectly fine. He was just like, like he had a, like he had some skip in his step. And I asked him and I said, bro, you, you, you're different this week. I haven't seen you in a, in a couple of weeks, but you look great. You, you, what, like, like did some change? Like, did you know, cause at that time I was just like, what just happened to this dude? So, so he explained to me, he said, Jacob, when I went back home, I didn't tell you this, but I've really been dealing with, um, depression. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, well, well, yeah, I know how to, I know how to talk to people on that, you know, depression and all that stuff. And he was like, well, well, I'm not diagnosed with it, but it's usually seasonal. And when it's seasonal, it's tough because it hits harder than, it hits harder as a season and then I'm perfectly fine. And it makes me nervous because when depression hits him, he said he would get very suicidal. And so when he went back home, he felt like this depression just hit him like crazy. And he was telling me his experience. Well, when he went home, his dad owned weapons, his dad owned guns. And he was, was telling me, he said, Jacob, I've never felt so much fear because I felt like I had no purpose on this earth. And I went and I knew my dad's safe. I knew my dad's uh, code. So he opened the door and he saw the smallest weapon he could find, the smallest gun he could find. And, and he said, I have no purpose. What, what am I to do here? 
And he said, once he was starting to do it like this and about to put it in his mouth, the Lord spoke to him and said, wait, wait. And he dropped and he said he was hyperventilating. He was, and he was getting nervous. He was like, what's going on? He said, well, it's okay. Don't be afraid. And he was speaking to him through his heart. And he said, and he said, you do have purpose. You do have purpose. And he said, Jacob, once I heard that, dude, I threw that gun right into the safe and I closed that safe. And I went into my room and I, cause I gave him a little, uh, I had a little Psalms and Proverbs, a little pamphlet. And I gave it to him and he said, man, I thought I didn't have purpose, but God spoke to me and he said, I do. Now I want to find out what that is. And I said, have you accepted Christ yet? He said, he said, kind of, but I want to, I want to rededicate my life because I know my, me dying is, is not the solution. It's not the end. He said, God has given me a purpose. So I prayed for him in that moment. He rededicated his life to Christ. The reason why I tell you that story is because you are the king's witnesses and you have an opportunity, not just because it's not your decision. It's not you that's saving a life. It's God using you for, so that God's glory can be shown through that kid that I helped that would bring him into a greater purpose, knowing that he's going to live another day because he deserves to live another day. And God's telling some of that to you too, that as a witness, there's someone going through something that you know that you could talk to that needs Jesus. Yeah, I need Jesus too, but they need Jesus as well. God's grace is not for a specific group of people. God's grace is not some type of some type of set list where it's like, okay, a certain amount and then it's done. No, 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 no. God's grace is for everyone. God's grace is for everyone who comes at the feet of Jesus and believes in him and lives for him. That is a king's witness. But are you willing to lay down your agendas, to lay down your preferences, to lay down the pride and humble yourself under God's mighty hand and tell someone what God has done in your life? With every head bowed and every eye closed, For a lot of us, we have lost the beautiful essence of evangelizing, of telling someone about Jesus, but not just not just telling, but but being like Jesus, being Christ-like. I don't ever, I repeat, I don't ever, anyone who's dealing with something, you are not judged for it. Because if you are, that's not from God. That's from people. That's not from God. And God wants you to know that you are accepted, that he's willing to give you peace, not just to witness, but to in every situation. And he's also willing to show you his power. Even through your, your disappointments, he wants to give you the opportunity. So what kind of witness do you want to be to someone? Maybe you've been through something and you understand someone's pain. You now have the opportunity. Hey, 
I was, I was dealing with this. I, I saw no way out, but God made a way. He can do the same thing for you too. That's what the king, that's what witnessing is. It's not just Jesus loves you and all this stuff. No, no, no. Dude, Jesus is willing to step into the dirtiness that you feel and cleanse it like it was white as snow. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in here and you've been struggling with not not telling people and witnessing like that, but being a witness, maybe you've had some certain issues and you're just trying to work stuff out, but you've you've been trying you haven't been trying to be the witness that God has called you to. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up. See that hand? See that hand? Thank you, Lord. See that hand? You throw it back down. If you are in here, from the past three weeks that I've been preaching, I know what rejection feels like. I know what feeling like I'm a mistake feels like. I know what it feels like to be anxious. I know what it feels like to be disappointed and ask God, dude, where, where, what happened? What's going on? Where are you at? And I understand how hard it is to witness. But if you've been dealing with acceptance, because God's already accepted you, but are you willing to accept yourself? Because it's easy for Christ to accept us. Very easy. He's willing to. He already knows. But do you know? Do you know that God's accepting you in this moment to where you can grow? If you've been having a hard time accepting yourself as Christ does, I want you to boldly lift your hand. Thank you, Lord. Keep that hand lifted. speak something over both those categories before I pray. I want you to know that God's giving you grace to witness. He's not going to force you to. It's a command, but He's He's going to wait. God can wait. God's not throwing a, a horn on you say like, hey, it's time to tell people about Jesus. No, no, no. He's giving you the space to be one. To be someone who is radically saved not just in sin but in other things you've been radically saved in some things and God wants you to know I'm giving you the grace to grow to where you can tell people about what I've done for you and for the people who who have been dealing with accepting yourself God wants you to know that if you if you don't accept yourself that's okay. But he also wants you to know if you don't eventually accept yourself, you won't be able to grow. Because people think hating yourself or hating something causes you to change, but sometimes it's acceptance. Sometimes it's accepting a trauma, accepting a moment, accepting a situation, accepting something in your life to where it's going to change. That it's already been done. It's already happened. It's already happened. Now, now it's time to learn to accept yourself and ask God for that. 
He's saying, ask me. Don't feel so out of place. Ask me. Ask me. Father, we come before you in this moment. Lord, we thank you for this message. We thank you for giving us the encouragement to witness. But Lord, we also thank you and we need your help with accepting us. Not just, not just not accepting our rebellion, Lord, because we know we need to change that. But Lord, accepting the stuff that I don't like about myself that you want to use. I need you to help me accept that. I need you to help me accept those moments where I feel like I need to be something else when really you've created me to be just this. Father, we call upon your name. And we ask for your grace and your mercy to cover our mistakes. And we repent. We change our mind from the mistakes. But Lord, help us to get away from the shame. And help us to accept the fact that we are made new in you. That's what's accepting us from. That's what accepting us means. Is that knowing that we're new and we're not what we used to be. Father, we love you. Lord, we honor you. And Lord, we ask, Lord, for a divine appointment for each and every student that raised their hand. Lord, that you put a power within them that's greater than anything that they could try to do. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we honor you. And we praise your name. We praise your name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.